Well, good morning. Welcome, uh, Dr. Ben Sinclair, back to the uh, the Brummie Den. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to see you again. We spoke a couple of weeks ago and things like that. Obviously, a considerable amount has happened. There's been some controversial uh, sort of decisions, comments and things like that in the press. And there's different understandings about social distancing, what we can and what we can't do. But stepping aside from all of that, let's just look at how you've been managing your business and you know, you've run your own business in your city centre and things like that. We're really yeah. keen to understand how you've been continuing and really supporting everybody. Sure, well, thank you, Paul. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back again in the den. Um, uh, well, um, we really have been uh, mainly doing video consultations since I last spoke to you. Uh, we were debating with ourselves when to open up our city centre clinic again, and we've actually just uh, opened that um, for a limited amount of patients who are low risk for COVID, but who require things like blood tests or face-to-face -face examinations, uh, or things that we can't do remotely on video. So I'd say about 80, 90% of our patients can still access us on video, but sometimes mm. you have to do face-to-face -face as a doctor. You know, you have to examine someone sometimes uh, uh, physically, not just sort of virtually. Mm. And um, you, know, you, can't, you can't really um, do some things, uh, you know, for example, if someone's pregnant or that kind of thing, uh, there's some, some key tests you have to do that you need to be there for. So, um, so we're doing mainly video, um, uh, but we're, we're working on um, a home visiting service as well because you we recognise a lot of people working from home or working from an office. And actually, um, the, the risk is changing location or going to an unknown location, mm. isn't it? So for us, uh, we're trying to mitigate that risk by taking the clinic to them. Uh, so essentially, like a... Um, a doctor home visiting service but providing our services uh in the comfort of your own home or in the comfort of your office uh wherever you are well we used to call it quite a few years ago a locum service didn't we there's some you know in the middle of the night some doctor would turn up and things like that always <laughs> seemed a great idea and then that kind of really just dissipated didn't it yeah but i think home visits kind of went out of fashion when they got rationed basically because uh with, with new technology a lot of stuff could be done uh you know remotely or on telephone um but i think there's nothing like seeing someone face to face uh and and that interaction uh even if it might be behind a mask if you have to take some precautions sure. so do you, have you found that because there's a what, what i find interesting about the nhs is that, that people's reluctance to go to a and e you know and things like that so there's an understanding there's probably a percentage of people that really didn't need to go to a and e it should be dealt with by the GP. But have you found your business has increased and more people are interested in talking to you? So I think um, I think in the past there were two types of people who went to A&E. One, one who were just trying to access services but inappropriately mm. accessing it at the wrong time. And so A&E wasn't the right place for them to go. Um, and the majority of those things were minor. They weren't an emergency. Mm. And it could have been dealt with by their local GP or by me in a normal environment, a normal normal appointment. I think um, uh, then, then there's people who really do need to go to A&E who've you know, had a significant event um, and don't go. Like you've got, often you have loads of people who present with heart attacks on Boxing Day because they actually had it on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but they didn't want to tell anyone or spoil anything. So they didn't go and- <laughs> oh, okay. 
I think yeah. that, and then they get worse on Boxing Day. So that was the thing that you always used to have as a junior doctor. Boxing Day was the kind of the worst. Amazing. Because <laughs> everything would come in on Boxing Day. So, um, so yeah, so we have had people access our service through a whole range of different things, really. Um, things that they might not want to go to their GP for because of the risk of turning up in person. Or, um, you know, unfortunately, we have had some people who've, who've been spoken to on the telephone, but they haven't been dealt with either safely or sort of effectively. And so they've, they've looked for a second opinion. And, um, and I think our NHS colleagues are under huge pressure um, now because they've got a whole sort of three months worth of routine work that was canceled and is now, you know, like a tidal wave coming back on them alongside all the normal stuff. So now that they're beginning to kind of operate a bit more of a normal uh, program, they are even more overwhelmed than, than before um because a lot of stuff was just put off you know um and also they've been working flat out and they're exhausted and and quite traumatized as well because it's been a very stressful period uh for anyone who's had to do sort of face-to-face -face work for covid there's been a lot of fear and uncertainty around this i think um you know there's now we've all been going through these stages of, of processing this haven't we and yeah. there's now more anger coming out like you mentioned in the press you know i think we've been going through these stages of, of really loss uh, of our normal lives and, and we're at the anger stage and that's being reflected in the comments in the press and you know the witch hunt that's going on so um uh people are kind of i think we're all desperate to get back to a new normal some kind of some kind of new way of doing things um i still don't know what that looks like i don't think we're fully um kind of there yet and a lot of our clients you know some some companies have restarted their offices are, are sort of firing up again this week uh mm. some of them are still nope we're all working at home and actually we can do this at home um i went to the clinic yesterday to, to restock some items and the city center was was beginning to pick up a little bit actually it had been completely dead before but there's quite a few more people around you know a few more um visitors and things open so um it felt it felt like there's a little bit of the first fruits of awakening you know so what what are the lessons learned for you from this how, how have you you know what what have you taken away from the positive well, the negativities and how have you turned them into positives how's your business going to adapt and develop going forward uh to be honest i think it's pushed me uh, we had an agile methodology already for our business because my okay. previous was setting up agile services so i hadn't realized but i would brought that methodology into the way that i'd set up my business already so for example, we all could work completely remotely. We could all work from a laptop, from a mobile, from a tablet with the software that we were using. And um, we already did do video consultations and we had a remote pharmacy and uh, we've, we've sort of uh, you know, offshored a lot of our stuff that you know, to, to keep it lean and agile really. So mm -hmm. um, being a lean startup, we, we already had agile. I think um, I've realized that we could be even more agile in that. Yeah. And some of the things that you held onto that you thought were sort of, <laughs> bastions of the you know the principles of your of your setup you realize do you know what we could have done that more agile and we are now so um there are some blood tests that we can send out in the post now that you can do on finger prick that are uh, still valid that you don't have to come in face to face for so that's the one thing we thought we thought blood tests could would have to be you know venous but actually you can send the patient it's, it's a little bit more complicated but it's possible um, for a limited amount of tests so, so there's some things like that where we've actually we found ways to get around the the lockdown and still provide a, a service um i think um 
the, the we're doing, doing more messages on video actually has been something that I've learned because originally when okay. I started, I was so busy starting up the, the, the sort of the clinical that we, um, we didn't do that much sort of uh, social media or um, yeah. awareness or, or, or videos. And actually using Zoom webinars for videos has been a great opportunity to uh, raise awareness, you know, talking to you, for example, just sort of giving out good advice, trying to, trying to reach people with sensible, practical advice, kind of down to earth, not too complicated, but in a way that's digestible. And I think and we've had great feedback on that. Um, I'm doing some paid webinar work and sort of health promotion. Okay. Our menopause service, uh, which was face-to-face, -face, is now completely agile and, and can be done on video. So actually, if you need a menopause uh, review with our specialist, we can do that. And we've actually partnered up with an HR company to deliver a sort of a menopause awareness um, session that can either be face-to-face -face when the lockdown is, is fully open or mm. on video in the meantime. So I think we've become more agile using video technology okay. yeah. than I thought we could have been, actually. And um, just pushed us into that and social media more. I think the, uh, from what I'm seeing, and obviously there's two things here, I'm chair of Downtown in Business Birmingham, but I'm also one of your patients. Now, yeah. I, I, I don't want to see my doctor ever. I don't want to have a conversation with him. I just, you know, that kind of thing. I, I just need him to know, yeah, I need to know that he's there. Yeah. I can reach out to him. But yeah. actually, it's quite reassuring seeing what you're doing, seeing the positivity, seeing the messages, seeing topics coming up, mm. up, up in social media. And, you know, and, 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 it, and it's a gradual, soft, pleasurable learning, you know, and you're, yeah, you're nudging me. You know, you're nudging me about my weight, you're nudging me about my cholesterol, you know, my mental well-being and everything else like that. And there's all of these things are there. So yeah. I'm on a journey with you, you know, yeah. and I think there's a lot of people that are out there who aren't your patients be doing exactly the same. Is that intentional? I think the, the aim is to have a drip feed effect of, you know, sensible health messages that everyone needs yeah. to hear. Because the, the, the building blocks of health are the same for everybody. And then it's tailored on top of that and that's what the expert that's what we do you know but 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 for everyone you need to get your exercise in line your you know your, your diet and nutrition in line your sleep and stress and mental health and your spiritual well-being and all these things you've got to kind of you've got to get the basis right and then mm. build on that for really excellent performance so um there's so much information out there you could overwhelm people with hours of, of stuff but we try and sort of keep it really short really simple and and interactive and practical so it's interesting because i mean it's got to be fun it's got to be interesting otherwise you know i'm, I'm not going to bother listening i'm sure no one else would yeah and i mean you, you've been doing some work with bcu you know the live <laughs> interviews and uh, you know i've dipped into a few of those and things like that how they've been received by the students and actually yeah. the staff as well yeah we had some good feedback what's nice is we did them on facebook so um people were able to ask questions during the live webinar and and people did ask questions you know we had people checking in every week um, and they knew <clears> it was a regular occurrence so uh, we've been doing them on a particular day a particular time so it was like okay here's your mental health check-in and um it was nice to be able to offer that a i like working with students because uh, they're the future and b mm. um uh can they obviously keep stay young you know in, in your focus and also um they ask some good questions they have very real you know concerns and um and needs so it's been good just getting stuck into um, a group that we weren't particularly engaged with in Birmingham actually 
Uh, but actually, um, one of the students, Amber, who's um, a second year in marketing, has been helping us with marketing as an intern. And so um, a lot of these actually interviewed her about what her experience was. And you know, it was good to have that interaction and, um, and just put yourself into someone else's shoes, you know, because um, mm. they've had a lot of deadlines or, you know, some people have had their whole finals just sort of wiped out and they've been examined in a way they weren't expecting. Um, you know, so it's, it's been really... Um, so many things have been affected by this haven't they so uh but it's hopefully you know reaching out offering them some support and um it was encouraging to see how many people did take to the airways and did listen and we had lots of views of all the videos and people go back and view them again because on facebook they can watch them for a week i think after yeah them. i think somebody that i think the only comment that i've got is one is quite refreshing that people are open and honest and be able to talk about things i think that's pretty good uh, there's a new understanding there of GPs that you can reach out to and talk to, which is quite good. Um, their sense of humour, they're amusing, and they, uh, you know, students see things slightly different on occasions to what we do. Absolutely. You know, and I, and I find that quite interesting. And, and I, you know, you being slightly challenged there on a couple of occasions, which was good. Um, it'd be nice to keep those interviews, I think, and let's go back in 12 months' time see what we were doing, what we were talking about, and just see the mood set, you know, the mindset of, of where we were. Already it's interesting looking back at the beginning of this process, and I don't, I don't know where we are in it, we may have a second lockdown, we may have regional lockdowns, might we, but it's very interesting to see sort of from the, from the first messages that I gave out to, kind of, to now and, and how I feel about it and, and yeah. how that's changed. I, I watched a video of an Italian um, giving us a message before we got locked down saying you're going to go through these things and it was really interesting because actually a lot of that, what they said was true you know um, and and you couldn't imagine yourself doing it but it's been a, it's been an exercise in expectation management and actually shrinking down your expectations that the challenge is is not to sort of let them grow again too soon but to work within those parameters and I think what everyone's struggling with now is how 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 much do we still have to socially distance i would say you know everyone's just i mean look at the beaches look at you know everyone's just desperate to return to normal life especially in a bank holiday with stunning weather you know and um it's it's hard to tell people okay look the, the cases are going down you know but actually you mm. still need to be sensible um and even i found myself on occasion you know forgetting to you know they sort of wear a mask when i went shopping in a local shop or you know um, that kind of thing I've, I've become a little bit more slack in my uh expectations i think also though we, we know more about this now we know it's not airborne by um you know it's only airborne by droplet it's not airborne by sort of vaporization you know you don't just get it by you know sort of um breathing the air that someone's in but if they cough or if they sneeze so in a sense um we also there may well be a whole lot of people who've been asymptomatically infected with this and never actually known and so you know the the stats speak for themselves it is the the elderly the vulnerable the people with chronic disease and um, people who are obese people who have diabetes they are the ones at risk most out of this and the rest of us still have to be considerate uh to, to in order to protect them yeah no, but but i think it's all about personal hygiene it's washing hands and if you yeah, cough, put your yeah. hand over your mouth yeah. and everything else you were taught as a child it's the old and, school stuff isn't it <laughs> yeah it is it is which is interesting so i'm going to put you on the spot a little bit now yeah. you've just uh you've just been demoted from uh from a, a doctor 
you're leading the country now. You're the prime minister. So you're now the prime minister. What's your mindset? What would you be talking about and what would you be doing? So today is the briefing of the new prime minister. So he's prime minister, Ben Johnson. You're, uh, and you're giving the briefing to the nation. What would your, what would your briefing be? And, and I'm going to ask you to balance the, you know, the mental well-being of people, you know, look at the weather, look at the, you know, maybe, maybe let's say civil unrest, you know, yeah. and maybe sort of the health aspects as well. So not just from a okay. medical thing. Um, okay. okay. So I think I would have some key, key points to make. First of all, a compassionate response to everyone who is struggling with this. Acknowledge mm. that it is difficult. It's still difficult. And that we're not out of the woods yet. Yeah. Uh, that there's been some great work done by everybody you know, trying to uh, keep everyone else safe and that, you know, we have to thank our, our colleagues who are key workers who've kept the country going. Uh, then I would move on to say uh, that we need to pick ourselves up. Uh, and maybe this is a bit more where the sort of the Churchill, you know, fight them on the beaches spirit needs to come in mm. more mm. than ever. It's not just uh, when you're in the crisis, it's what you do afterwards that really counts. So I would say we need to pick ourselves up dust ourselves off and not just shelve all that mental uh, stress or the trauma that we've been through, but acknowledge it, process that whilst grinding into action uh, the wheels of the, of the country uh, to get going again, but acknowledging that it's not going to be the same, it is going to be different and we all have to work together to you know, produce a, a great country again because uh, we are innovators at heart, we've always been an innovative country and um, uh, you know, post-Brexit, it was all about innovation, about celebrating what we've got. Uh, even more so now, it's, it's about that, um, both regionally, nationally and internationally. We, you know, we have to pick ourselves up and find that niche, find that way that you can redo your business, redo your job, do, you know, go the extra mile to, to make it work for you or diversify into something completely different. And maybe a lot of people who are airline pilots, you know, we need to think about how we're going to employ those people, where we're going to redeploy them, what transferable skills they've got. Uh, and, and there may be many other careers like that, but at the moment, they're just, they're just not the work for them. So um, I want to really encourage people that, you know, we were here to support them, uh, yeah. to continue socially distancing in a sensible way. Um, to, to also to obey the spirit of the rules rather than the rules. And I think that's been the mistake that we've had uh, from politicians is that they really haven't obeyed the spirit of the rules. And that's what everyone else has been trying to do. who has been socially, you know, kind of aware. And sadly, you know, that's, that's where we lose trust in politicians because the spirit of the rules is, is really what matters. Um, I think we should look forward We're, in Birmingham, particularly we've got the Commonwealth games coming, you know, that's yeah. a good thing to be building up to. Uh, so I think, um, regionally you know i would say you know there's a lot of growth to happen in birmingham and we want to be focusing on how we can you know, open up how we can collaborate uh new relationships uh and um work together with communities we're now much more at home in our communities and we should think about how we can harness that community power that's been demonstrated by perhaps in a, in a small way by clapping but that could be taken so much further uh into actually you know, social action uh so visiting the elderly who are still you know really should be in lockdown it's still you know still in isolation <coughs> yeah. and lonely so you've got my vote 
definitely. <laughs> should, you, should you change career, you've got that. I think the, what I'm taking from that is the positive, the Churchillian type uh, speech, you know, the British mindset rolling your sleeves up with getting back on with it and everything else like that. I think what's interesting is when we talk about Brexit, that the eve of Brexit, it was the, you know, the, the worst of the worst, that it was a catastrophe, it was this. And there, there was there was uproar about positivity versus negativity about being yeah. Brexiteer or not and everything like that. And that's nothing now. So it's we've gone on this journey. Yeah, yeah, and Brexit has just disappeared. Yeah. And I think our mindset is just bring it on. That means nothing to us now compared to the trauma we've just gone through. I think that... Um, the, the, the way that we interact and the way that we behave is going to change. I, I, I'm walking around and I'm going, you know, maybe around the park or just to, trying to get out, going to the shops. Um, I'm not shaking hands with people. I'm not doing things like that. And I'm doing this kind of little bit of a weird gesture. Yeah. But actually what I have found is more and more people who I don't know just saying good morning, good afternoon. That's true. That's true. I think there's, and, and that, that's what I was saying about that sort of community spiritedness. I think there is actually a, much more of an acknowledgement of, that human interaction is important and acknowledging people. So I'm not, I'm saying hello to people on my street walking past. I don't know if yeah. I don't even know them if they're on my street, but I've said hello and you know, people have stopped and had a socially distanced chat across the road and put my bins out, you know, and it's, it's nice actually. I mean, to be honest, yeah. it should be, you know, uh, if we're all a little bit more chatty, I think it would go a long way to keeping a lot of us a lot happier. The only, the only downside for me, and I was traumatised, that somebody put a note through my door and asked if I needed any shopping fetching. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. I haven't quite got over that. I, I'm thankful yeah. of the support, but uh, I just don't know what message that sends to me. Yeah, okay, so yeah. what, what, what's the likelihood of a second wave? And, uh, and this is incredibly difficult sort of uh, question yeah, for you and things like that. Um, I yeah, I sure, sure. It's finger in the air stuff, Paul, but I do think I do think there'll probably be a rise as we open yeah. up, as schools open up, uh, because there's more mixing, you know, that there is going to be an increase in cases. Whether it's uh, a second peak is different to a second wave. So okay. I, I think we probably all agree there'll be a, um, a second wave. How big it is and, and where it is uh, is interesting. It's interesting that we're looking back now and we're seeing that clearly we shouldn't have had the Cheltenham Festival. And we shouldn't have had that Liverpool football match uh, with all the Spanish fans coming. And uh, so, um, so I think I think um, there's already there's there's hot spots now more in the north actually. You know, northwest and and actually mm. uh, where I used to live has had a bit of a rise recently, and I don't really know why that's happening. So I think um, yes, there will be one. But I think the way this could have been managed originally was as a regional outbreak. Uh, if we'd had a national public health service which was which was deconstructed during austerity this would have been managed from the beginning in a strategic way instead of just locking the whole country down so i think now that we know that i think there probably will be these regional lockdowns where you go whoa there's a hot spot over there we've got to get the r number down boom you know um norwich is shut down for a week or whatever you know mm. uh so um i think um it's more likely to be like that um uh, i also think until we get a vaccine you know, we're really, um, we're really uh, not particularly uh, confident because this virus doesn't leave much of an immune imprint. It doesn't give you much immunity to it, it seems. So testing is, is an interesting one. I know some of our companies are testing and we, we can offer tests. Uh, the, the question is, what's, what's the validity of those tests going forward and the meaning of them? And does that mean that 
you know, uh, do you just keep testing? You know, do you, do you test every week? Um, because actually, if 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 the if having had it doesn't confer much immunity, you could get it again and start yeah. spreading again. So I think until we get a vaccine, I think this is going to be with us. And like you say, I think our social habits will have to change until there's a mass vaccination program. I think a lot of people are going to get their flu jabs this year, though. I would say because. Um, mm. Suddenly, you know, we used, to, we used to talk about herd immunity and in about April time, we used to approach all of our clients and say, look, herd immunity, protect the weak. Uh, same message as we're giving now, really. But people would say, oh, yeah, well, you know, we didn't really get much uptake. And I was saying, look, you need at least 60, 70 percent of your staff immunized. And that means you're going to be you know, less likely to have severe cases of flu and less likely time off. Um, uh, invariably, you know, um, it was very hard to get the kind of 70 um, percent plus mark that might really confer some immunity but i think this year i think people might be taking that a lot more seriously and we offer flu jabs as well so um, come just, and talk about flu jabs so gp turned it into sales as well there and i got that absolutely so, yeah <laughs> I, I think the when, when we talk about the flu jabs and things like that and that sort of thing isn't it within the interest of, of the government just to say right everybody instead of the weak and you know the aged or anybody with any conditions who, who was you know and I, and I think is it about 25 or 30 percent of the population that's entitled to the flu jab yeah yeah so yeah. i mean uh, like you say if you're if you're over a certain age under a certain age or have a chronic disease you should get the flu jab on the nhs anyway the question is mm. whether you can access that conveniently so mm. a lot of people might be offered it but they just they can't get to their gp or they can't get an appointment or they can't get through the telephone system um because the system is overwhelmed more and more gp retiring yeah. so so yes a, a mass vaccination program would make a lot of sense um yeah. especially when it comes to covid vaccination i think that should just be a nationally rolled out thing they should just have stations on each street corner you just walk in you get a jab so yeah, so I remember I remember at school when we all used to queue up to have all of these injections. PCG, you know. yeah. Yeah, so are we suggesting that all school children in the future are gonna have COVID nineteen sort of vaccinations? All like school children are vaccinated for flu if the parents consent right now. Um, and it's oh, a, okay. it's a nasal thing. So um there's no I reason didn't realize it. Right. Yeah, there's no reason why we can't do that. Um uh they're certainly offered it anyway. Um, there's no mm. reason we can't do that with COVID once a, a suitable vaccine is there and it's safe for children. Um, it seems that actually students are more of a risk of being carriers than, than children because of their social habits and because they tend to be asymptomatic. So okay. actually, I think the student population, I would say, should be the ones that we hit first and mass vaccinate. The 20 to 30 year olds were proven in Italy to be the the carriers, the super spreaders of this, because they'd be running around asymptomatically, meeting with a lot of people um, and spreading it before they even knew they had it. And then they have mild symptoms anyway, and they might downplay it and not feel it was serious. So I think they, they are the people we need to target with education and with vaccination. So what, what, what percentage of the population, total guesstimate, finger in the air as well, do you think have actually had this virus? Yeah, I mean, that's impossible to say. We've been we've been pretty slow off the mark with testing, Paul. So um, mm, yeah. that's a totally skewed by the fact that we didn't start testing early enough. We didn't start quarantining. Uh, we didn't treat this. But how many have had it and not realised they've had it, do you think? I, well, it's, it's really hard to guess. I mean, they've done serological studies um, mm. and, and suggesting that um, a significant percentage of people may have had it yeah. asymptomatically. I, I, and the thing is, studies depend on the country they've been done in and so it's very mm. hard to compare populations because of the 
the, the, the difference between countries, even though we've ended up following a similar curve, the, uh, the way that it's been handled or the health of the population. It's also yep. interesting to note that places in Asia where they seem to be just, they, they always have this sort of flu circulating and um, actually seem to be in the least affected. And actually it seems that potentially um, having had other types of flu-like illnesses seems to confer some protection against coronavirus. And those people may be the ones who just had it mildly and not noticed it. So that's also okay. another reason why we think potentially Hong Kong, Thailand, you know, Asian countries have had it far, far less severely, as well as using masks and having a, you know, a more aggressive lockdown early on. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I haven't seen any of the UK, uh, any of the streets being sprayed, you know, and um, things like that, um, as you do abroad and things like yeah. that. It's different mindsets, different countries. What's... Uh, What's new in your practice? What 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 are you know? What's going to happen over the next six months? Every time I speak to you, you've introduced new things, and there's new yeah. products or there's new supports and things like that. We're trying to respond. I think um, uh, so. We'd certainly recommend you know vaccination and also um, nutritional supplementation to improve people's immune system is what we're majoring on. Um, the um, online psychology service is a one is one new thing, and we think that okay. And which is actually increasingly being taken up now. Psychology, because of the, the human interaction, has sort of necessarily been face to face in the past, but currently, you know, really to have that sort of um, in a safe way, we found that actually lots of people have been engaging on video consultation with our psychologists. So a lot of people have trauma, they've lost loved ones, they're bereaved, or they've had a near miss where they were exposed but they didn't get infected and they have had you know sort of a, a ptsd like experience as a result of that and have nowhere to process it so so we've been offering that um, um and actually i think um interestingly enough last year there was a big push for mental health awareness training mm. and um that to be sort of mainstream through the corporate culture and i think that certainly took hold what we found was that um as a result of that a number of women who were in high high level positions would were actually saying i've got a mental health problem but it turned out that actually it was being driven by um a hormonal problem called menopause and actually a mm. number of people who are female who are in the working world have been going through menopause but thinking they've had a mental health problem so the new thing this year is really to raise the awareness of menopause in the same way that mental health awareness was done last year so i would say um uh, menopause you know is a massive issue with a working population that's now far more equal in terms of the sexes um, yeah. rising through the ranks um, in high positions at the peak of their <clears throat> career are then being mm. you know uh, really limited by um, menopausal symptoms that aren't the typical ones it's actually uh, you know it's more like things like memory loss uh, concentration problems you know poor sleep new anxiety that they've never had before uh, these kind of things are actually hitting people more. And during lockdown, we've noticed that a lot more people, because of the stress of uncertainty, those symptoms have got worse. So um, we've been doing a lot of work on, on menopause online, and that has been mm. working really well for people, which is great. So um, we're continuing to, to push that. Um, the, the home visiting service is the latest innovation that we've, uh, yeah. we've done. Um, and um, we were debating whether we might have a... Um, a sort of a vehicle that could pull up either on a business park or or next to a business or in a certain location uh, where there aren't private medical services for a certain time people can book in and, and you know pop in and either you know, get vaccinated get their blood test but in a safer way but 
but mobile. So we're looking into those kind of options too, because we want to take it to where people are, uh, because people can't move at the moment. So I, I suppose th those are the innovations uh, so far. Yeah. So jumping on uh, a little bit of a, a bus or a motor uh, vehicle, driving to somebody's house with all the equipment, you know, they walk out, sit in your controlled, clean yeah. environment, get tested and things like that. Fascinating, brilliant idea. Yeah. Okay. So how's the, uh, how's the diary looking? How busy are you? You know, have you still got gaps for people or have you yeah. stacked out? Well, we always run a relatively low occupancy uh, ship because we want to have same day availability. So yeah. we'll always be able to offer you a same day appointment. And that's the key, the key to our convenience. Uh, first was location being the sea centre. You know, second was you'll always be able to pop in and see us. And um, uh, so, yeah, so that, that same day availability is always there. Um, and we've actually broadened the number of GPs working with us because... Uh, Okay. Uh, they're now not physically located. They can be anywhere in the country. So we're reaching out to the whole country for um, video consultations because it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, health is the same. So is there going to be a Dr. Ben Sinclair app to download that's going to monitor things and, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff, communicate with your nerve, you know, your, your nerve centre and stuff like that? Into apps. Um, we've tended to go more for a website approach, which is mobile friendly rather than an app because apps tend to go out of date faster. Okay. Uh, and as a doctor, uh, yes, we, we like to use IT, but I think um, we're probably, probably more major on the, the personal interaction. So an app is an important sort of uh, add-on, I would say, but we're not quite there yet. I was just looking at some of the new technologies that's around for medical treatments where people are wearing certain things, that's yeah. monitoring, that's sending messages and things like that. Yeah. Are we going to be at the... You know, we're going to be at the point where our mobile phone or something like that is going to be sending messages to people, you know, such as yourselves. Definitely. Definitely. I think, I think again, there's um, the technology is there. It's um, it's not quite in one place yet. So there's not mm. uh, there's not the iPhone like sort of collaboration of everything in one place uh, device wise, whereby uh, you can just say, right, there's one thing everyone gets it and it does all the key things you need at home. Um, what we've been doing is we've been advising people on, on, you know, let's say they've got a blood pressure problem, a, you know, yeah, yeah. A blood pressure machine in the post or advising them on buying one on, on internet or there's various self tests you can do at home and then we collate the data. And there are apps you can have with your iPhone that do a, an ECG. Uh, it's of limited value, but it's an ECG. Uh, you can have a, um, a blood pressure cuff that connects to your iPhone or your smartphone and records your blood pressure and then it, you can send that data and um, what there isn't yet is the sort of overarching piece of software that would pull all that together uh, okay. in, in one thing it'd be great if all the apis talk to each other but they're often developed in isolation i think i think that will come though paul and i think that probably be speeded up now because of the need for those remote devices to be working for you so that might be an ask of some technology companies start developing something oh, definitely i mean and um, mm -hmm. I, before this i was working on some software for the, the private health sector um, okay i would love to collaborate with people on um pulling those things together and what clinically is necessary because as a, as a doctor on the cold face i see mm -hmm. what actually is needed and i go oh, i wish i could do that or i wish there was a you know a remote warfarin testing thing that would tell me the result and the patient would just pick the finger and it would talk to their computer or phone and boom I get the result 
that that would be a dream because what we want is just is just the actual the near patient testing is, is yeah. what we want the, the the cost of that at the moment is still fairly prohibitive for most people okay. unless you're sort of you know unless you're prepared to shell out individually hundreds of pounds for devices so i think it'll come down as it as it becomes popular though so now is the time to be developing that that technology because that's that's where it's at for the future we'll never go back to a less flexible less agile methodology sure. so what i'm hearing is that potentially my iphone might be sending me a message saying bulk admin report to uh in <laughs> report to hospital yeah. you know you may have an issue or yeah. alternatively it might be going further on might be sending me a message saying paul cadman go home you've had too many glasses of wine yeah, exactly well i think <laughs> i think nanotechnology there's a lot there in that, yeah. in that field you know and i know there are there are camera capsules you can swallow that do an endoscopy or a stomach you know scan um, yeah. video your uh, your internals you know so um a lot of these things are are on the cards they're sort of they're in prototype form uh, i think the bionic man is a is is not that far away whereby you might have implanted sensors in your bloodstream that tell you your blood sugar is high or low your alcohol level let's say is high or low or oops your iron level is really low so yeah you're vegetarian you need to go and take some supplements um and and similarly you know um a built-in ecg monitor just says oh by the way you've gone into an irregular heartbeat go and see your yeah. doctor or, or you know various markers and we're finding so much that that hormones are so important in the modern mm. understanding of medicine and hormones are really chemical messengers that um that do multiple things um so monitoring them would be would be a really important thing for men testosterone falls as we as we get older and as we slow down so knowing what your testosterone level um, was doing would be really important and if it's spiked mm. you might have testicular cancer if it's falling fast you might be going into the male menopause and need to take testosterone and um, because it's going to affect your performance and put you at risk of heart disease so something that would measure those things continuously would be great and actually in in diabetes we now have these continuous monitors that you can wear i don't know whether you've seen okay. them and then mm -hmm. uh, you basically stick this disc on it measures your um a marker in your uh, body fluid in your skin which then gives you an indicator of whether your blood sugar is high or low what your insulin levels are doing and then it can inform you through an app um what you should then be eating or not eating and it, 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 the biofeedback is really helpful in these cases so even for myself i wear a i do wear a heart rate monitor in my in my watch yeah um and i noticed that every tuesday uh my heart rate would drop after I'd done yoga. So the heart rate would slowly climb through the week. And then even though I was exercising every day, I was cycling mm. and running every day, it was the yoga that caused it to drop. So, and it would drop consistently. You could see my, my kind of graph every week go drop on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday evening, drop again. And, and the lowest heart rate I ever had was on a Tuesday night after I'd done yoga. So, so that biofeedback was really helpful for me because I'm thinking That's oh, yeah. I could actually do yoga twice a week and get two drops. And that would mean, oh, my overall heart rate, blood pressure would be lower consistently. So is that all about, um, is that about relaxation? Is that about meditation and everything else like that? Getting into a meditative state, uh, relaxation, also a different kind of exercise, because I'm a bit of a, a high intensity bunny. So, you know, I love cycling fast or running through mm. the forest you know, in a high intensity, but actually we need both. We need that high intensity exercise to, to work yeah. out heart get the cardio 
But what we also need is that low-level meditative exercise, which is more stretching-based or uh, mm. strength-based, um, in order to um, calm yourself. And that may release sort of more relaxing uh, chemicals than just invigorating chemicals. Um, so for me, I think as a, a type A right. person, I need more mm. yoga and um, uh, balance it out with, with running rather than the other way around. That's fascinating, fascinating. And I'm just looking at the time. Yep. And I think we're pretty much running out of time because imagine there's a number of people queuing up to virtually speak to you or all that phone will be ringing. Well, we are, we are in half terms. So I'm taking some time with the kids, actually. So uh, I've been doing okay. a furniture renovation and uh, building a treehouse. So um, that's, that's what I'm doing today. <laughs> OK, but it just, it, it's for me to say thank you yet again for your time. Always fascinating, always interesting. And, you know, we've, we've promoted, or sorry, we demoted you to the Prime Minister, didn't we? We've re-promoted you yeah, now. Yeah. Thank you. We, <laughs> we've covered some fantastic <laughs> topics and things like that. Uh, and I think we're going to take quite a lot away from this. What we will do is obviously keep this uh, recording and that'll be there for, for our members of Downtown in Business and everybody else to access and things like that. Yeah. So Dr. Ben Sinclair, on behalf of Downtown in Business and obviously me, thank you very much once again for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Take care. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye.